Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition to win at work, drive your career forwards and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Monroe, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. Starting a new CFO role doesn't have to be daunting. So whether you are new to the role or just new to the company, our 90-day master plan will help you get off to the best possible start with a shared collection of research, advice and guidance inspired by the CFO 4.0 podcast. So what are you waiting for? Download it now at www.itassolutions.co.uk. So hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. I'm your host, Han Monroe, and with me today is Raj Harash from Yepay. Now, Raj and I, I have to say, have been working together for a little while now, and, and I was really interested to bring him on to talk about the future of AR and what that means, and some of the recent developments and the shifts we're seeing because of COVID. So Raj, it is fantastic to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Anna. Fantastic to be here. Really looking forward to this. Absolutely. And so are we, to be fair, or so am I, I should say. So tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, Raj. How did you end up doing what you're doing at Yepe? Yeah, well, I've been very fortunate. I spent actually seven years um, at Sage. Um, and uh, I, I started there um, and kind of started in the accountants division. Um, I've always had, an, had a keen interest in understanding business, understanding finances and, you know, 20 years selling, promoting, implementing finance systems, you tend to get to know the different elements of it. But anyway, um, worked my way up within within Sage um, and came across an opportunity with Yepay, um, which is where I am at, at the moment as the director of sales for EMEA. Um, and I looked at what they were doing and uh, the industry now is moving away, particularly within ERP, finance ERP, where historically... Finance ERP was um, a jack of all, should I say, and like, you know, a master of many, but not a master of one. Whereas the industry, the past two or three years, has moved now as the finance function being the finance function, but having a best of breed solutions around that finance function because the integration is so great. So to answer your original question, Hannah, long-winded, it may be, um, I saw Yepay, an accounts receivable platform. I could see what they were doing within the market. I was super excited. And um, the opportunity came, opportunity came along and uh, they asked me and I asked them and here we are today. <laughs> it's funny how that happens, isn't it? So yes. All the best ones happen that way. So so when we look at sort of the, the shift, because obviously the last 12 months has been a, you know, a massive shift for businesses generally, but what impact has covid remote working had on you know ar and receivable teams what is the sort of the conversations that you've been having with customers so unfortunately or fortunately there's been winners and losers within within the covid uh, spectrum some companies have gone through you know the, the covid has really helped if you look at logistics as an example um 
during lockdown, there was um, so many, well, so myself and my family, we ordered everything online, you know? Um, so they were the winners. Um, the obvious uh, verticals, uh, such as hospitality, uh, because of the um, of the lockdowns, the bars, the restaurants, etc., have taken you know a uh, they, they've been impacted quite quite badly within this. But what have we seen on the back of that? So a number of things really. Um, when companies did return back, and there was a form of uh, normality, what normality looks like, we still don't know at the moment. Um, the conversations that we are having is around automation. So there seems to be a big focus, an extra focus. There was still there was a focus prior to COVID, but I think that the companies that hadn't adopted automation that it really brought into light that they need to adopt automation now. The role of um, our roles have changed. You know, um, we certainly prior to COVID, I would spend easily five, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen hours in the car. You know. Now I probably spend equally the same amount of time sitting in front of the desk, you know, on Zoom or, te- or, or team meetings, which means that the way we're communicating with people has changed. And that too, uh, in the AR process, um, we have found that um, it's difficult for uh, people who are collecting or chasing, I would say, debt for them to get hold of uh, customers or clients. So they've had to revert back to email. Now, if you're reverting back to email, there's an opportunity there um, to automate. And the other thing that we're that we're finding uh, now, well, there's two other things really, is the chief financial officer is now looking at the bottom line, thinking, "I need to get these monies in. I need to get these monies in quickly," you know, because of what's happened in the past 12 to 18 months. And we've also seen quite a big shift in um, companies adopting customer portals where they can help their customers self-serve their own invoicing. So to kind of couple all that together, this I what we found is that the accounts receivable process, yes, it's got a bit shrewder, you know, and yes, it's got, um, I, I wouldn't say the word aggressive, but they've become, the, the, the cadences and the sequences going out are more popular, should I say. But because of the customer satisfaction and net promoter scores that most companies rely so heavily on, long gone are the days where, you know, you pick up the phone and say, give me, give me the money. Now the, uh, the collection staff are part of the customer service journey. And it has to be in line with the values and the behaviors of what the C-suite are trying to promote. Um, with that. So those are the things that we've seen. Did that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. And it was really interesting. I was reading a stat yesterday, in fact, about how 48% of um, companies are looking to actually accelerate um, their adoption of automation. Um, And 78% is nuts are looking to increase their spend over the next 12 months. So obviously automation and that piece is is driving it. And I think there's always been that fear, hasn't there, with accounts receivable, certainly when I'm speaking to customers around, um, you know, if how much of um, credit control can we actually automate? And I think one of the interesting things about COVID is it's actually driven some of those increases in that, like exactly what you said, is because obviously it's become more email-based that that's actually accelerating um, the ability to automate it rather than it all being 
um, what's the word? All, all being sort of phone based, yeah. So there was all, there was always a percentage that we couldn't automate historically, and and I guess there's always a place, isn't there, for that sort of one to one personal chasing. Nothing beats getting a phone call, um, you know, because emails are so easily <laughs> ignored. But that you know, the bit being able to focus their attention on that, you know, that smaller percentage, that's obviously um, helping to streamline um, and reduce, you know, the the days that an invoice is outstanding. Absolutely. What what we're finding is that um, certainly our software or any AR software, um, it's not there to replace any artificial intelligence and machine learning is not there to replace humans. It's there to aid and assist. Um, And it's there to predict what's at risk for the future, you know. Um, And there's always going to be... an element of someone give, someone uh, picking up the phone and saying, look, you haven't paid the invoice, et cetera, et cetera, and understanding what's gone wrong uh, in terms of paying that invoice and sympathizing and empathizing as to what, you know, why that, why that invoice hasn't been paid. I'm afraid a bot can't do that. You know, uh, that's what a, what a human does. And it's hard, isn't it? I guess because we talk about, um, like you say, um, that um, disconnect. So, you, and I, you know, I've experienced it before. I've been on the other end of it sometimes when you have an amazing experience with a customer service team, and then you get this really harsh chasing email that doesn't quite reflect the, like you say, the brand or the style. So that's, I guess, where you've got to balance out the need for automation and perhaps some good wordsmithing on those emails with the, you know, with the, obviously the need to gather that, to cash in and get it in. And how, how are you finding that um, clients are managing that balance? How, how do they get it right? So it's a very good question. You know, um, unfortunately, you're going to have clients that just don't pay you. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're your niceness is kind of taken for granted, you know. And we'd always, we always like to think that's 1% of the client base. That's that's not the majority um, of, of, of your clients. What, what we've personally found is with the use of automation, um, yes, you can absolutely automate the invoicing. You can automate uh, the Dunnings letters that go out and you can automate. But it's how you automate them. So let me give you an, let me give an example. Um Many organizations, the, the finance team tend to be completely separated to the rest of the business. So the finance team tend to be, uh, nobody knows who they are. Um, you know, uh, if, if you want a query, oh, I've got to send it to finance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What we're finding is a shift within that. So a lot of our customers, they want the interaction between sales and finance. So as an example, if I'm chasing you, Hannah, and saying, Hannah, this 30-day invoice is uh, due now, et cetera, et cetera. It's not the right customer journey. If Hannah turns around and says, I'm sorry, Raj, but I've spoken to the account manager and they've extended the terms. Whereas the finance team, team don't know anything about it. So it's that communication that we're looking at um, that that allows um, that better, better customer journey. But also what we're finding is that wouldn't it be great that when a new customer comes on board, um, the sales, the sales people are great. You know, this is what we're going to do for you. This is how we're going to do. It. This is how we're going to do it. But using AI and using automation, you can automate an email. 
It's simple email to say, dear Hannah, welcome on board. You know, I'm your finance representative uh, with that. It's a tick box exercise and it adds, as we mentioned before, to the net promoter score or the customer satisfaction score that you're, you're, you're looking to bring. There's an interesting piece there, isn't there, about what the role of um, or where the role of credit control actually will sit in the future. Because if from what we're talking about, so the, the, the knowing that things are overdue and chasing things up and, and the credit controller just being that escalation point, is there, you know, is, and how important it is as part of the, the, the account management cycle as well, is there a, a piece and have you seen a shift to credit control actually sitting with account managers um, within the organization? Yes, we have seen we have seen a shift um, in, and we, we we know several examples. So many organisations they would chase internally, um, and then when they don't get anywhere or they get to a certain point, they would ask the account manager um, to to get involved. And it kind of uh, I wouldn't say leaves a, a you know a bitter taste in the account manager's uh, mouth, but the account manager there is is there to cross sell and upsell. You know that's that's what their role is. Um, and they need, it is great when they, you know, they can resolve the credit control issue. But if you use AI, artificial intelligence, correctly, you can mitigate the risk prior to the event happening. So as an example, um, certainly, I won't say yeah, but, um, as an example, um, you've got within certain, so certainly within our system, um, you've got credit ratings based upon each company. So part of the artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities is understanding payments. So let's take an example. Let's just say I've got company ABC and they pay me regularly on time. As a credit controller, I know that, you know. The artificial intelligence, because it's learning the um, the, the payment history, it may turn around and say, look, yes, ABC Limited does pay you on time, but be careful because the past 10, 15 invoices, they've slipped outside the 30 days and they're paying in 35 days. No major alarms, just making you aware. Now let's flip that coin the other side. Let's just say you've got a company that are constantly paying you sub 90 days, post 90 days. Now, for me, that's a decision needs to be made. So why do they pay over 90 days? Is it a process internally that we need to look at? Or do are they just poor payers? They, it normally tends to be poor payers. So what do we want to do with that account? Do we want to ask 50% upfront? Do we want to remove that account? That account may be very strategically important for us. So what it, AI allows you to do is that it allow, well, it aids the credit controller as well as the account manager to make those decisions prior to that event happening and having data to back those decisions up. So I love that concept of AI. So, um, you know, for those that are listening, you know, we talk, we talked a few times about AI and artificial intelligence on the podcast, and it's amazing. So how embedded it's becoming to, you know, to day-to-day processing within finance without people even realizing, um, and that, that constant shift, that constant learning, what other uses is there for AI, particularly around accounts receivable? What, you know, what other things could happen in the next sort of couple of years that you think are particularly exciting? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, with the likes of open banking coming in, um, 
companies tend to, at the moment, tend to wait three, four days before, at least a couple of days before the monies are being hit into, into the bank account. Uh, with open banking, that would be instant. So that's, that's a really exciting, uh, trend that's happening. And how that relates to AI, you can then start forecasting what, what company's going to, uh, when the company's going to hit, hit your bank account, when it's not, even though that data is already, um, available. Um, Another really interesting uh, fact, particularly within uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, is that you can actually predict when the payment or when that invoice is going to be paid. I can also fast forward 30, 60, 90, 120, 150 days. And I would say about 98% accuracy. I can tell you what's hit in your bank account, what's not, what's promised to be paid, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really exciting um, in terms of what artificial intelligence is um, unlocking. And I, in, in the future, I think a lot of decisions are going to be made based upon the intelligence that has been gathered um, that allows you to predict, predict the future. And they won't be far off. I give a tolerance of 1% either way. Because it's based, and I guess that's the shift, isn't it? And 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 a lot of it's based on past behaviour. So, do you think there's a piece where more factors will be start to coming into AI? Because um, if you think about COVID and what impact that's had um, on you know on and a, a company's ability to pay their bills, do you think there's a wider implication? Particularly if we think just specifically about AR, about bringing in external data sets to change the way that we're actually looking at this kind of data. Yeah. So again, you know, it's it's a great point that you make there. Um, it's it's already happening. If you have a look at you, you have a look at any mid size organization, the role of the business analyst is becoming more and more demanding. You know, um, and it's becoming more and more common as well with the use of uh, artificial intelligence uh, that helps them and aids their job um, within that. So uh, what we found is uh, certainly uh, through our development. Um, we can now understand if a company is got a CCJ against them, how we can alert our users, you know, to say, look, ABC Limited have recently had a CCJ. What do you want to do? We won't do stuff for you. What we do is give you options. Or what AI does, it gives you options. It gives you options as to say, this is what we recommend that you do. But ultimately, the, the decision is yours. And the, deci- the decision that you make is based upon meaningful data. Raise your game with Sage Intact. Bring down your close time by up to 79%. Use agile real-time reporting for instant visibility. Land an average ROI of 250%. With the heavyweight cloud software, rated number one for customer satisfaction. Finance that packs a punch. Find out more from ITAS, the UK Sage Intact Partner of the Year, at itassolutions.co.uk. Yeah, and I think that's it, is that some a lot of times um, decisions are made on conversations and feelings, aren't they? And I, I've read a, um, a crazy stat, we talk about it a lot, something like 48% of CFOs actually make decisions based on gut instinct yeah. rather than actual data purely. And it's not because they don't want to. And I think that's the interesting piece. It's the lack of availability. And I think that's a really interesting point. It's about surfacing that information so that, you know, those that are making decisions can make better ones and in a quicker time frame. 
Um, because you'd have to go out searching for every single customer for a CCJ in this example, wouldn't you? If you wanted to know about it, it's not something that's easily surfaceable unless you're using technology to do it. No, and with with the AI and the, again, we talk about AI and ML, um, you tend to get a picture in terms of if you've got a new customer that you're bringing on board, what their payment patterns are prior, you know? Um, so again, decisions can be made um, upfront, whether you want to offer 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or indeed you want 50% upfront or seven days net, you know? Um, it's a conversation, you know? And it's uh, it's something to put your foot forward on. And like, look, we, we've seen historical evidence that suggests that these are the terms that we want to offer. Then it's down to the business to decide, no, we'll take that risk, f- fully knowing with all, the, fully knowing that they've done their due diligence on the back of it. And they can justify their decision on, decision that they've taken that risk purely because of, you know, they needed the account for strategic re- reasons. Or it could be as simple as, you know, they're best friends with the CEO. Yeah, but at least you know why they're making the decision, hey? Um, and it's made yeah. on good data. So so if we go back to a point, a really interesting point you made earlier about almost like the rise of self-serve um, credit control, because this is a big shift, isn't it? We're so used to, you know, and some people um, apparently still send paper-based invoices, which I've always um, been amazed at. So I'm, I'm sure there's stacks of uh, paper-based invoices sitting on in people's uh in letterboxes over COVID. But um, talk to, tell us a little bit about the rise of sort of customer portals and how those are being used with AR teams to support growth and to drive improvements. Yeah, so we, we've, seen, again, another big shift um, that, that we've seen. If we if, if we take our own, you know, uh, uh, if, if we ignore the business to business market, just a business consumer market, um, take my own personal uh, a personal situation with myself. Um, historically, I always used to pay my uh, electricity bill. Uh, it used to come through the door. You know, it was a paper-based copy. Um, I'd either ring them up, pay it via credit card, um, debit card, or give them a Bax, Bax transfer. Um, it was really interesting. About 18 months to 24 months ago, when they said, we'll give you 5% discount if you, if you move online. Um, and we're finding the same shift with business-to-business customers. So... The customer portal, customers are actually, dare I say, customers don't like to speak to people now, or I don't say they like to speak to people. They, if they can do everything on a click of a button, they will, you know, and that aids back into the CFO's automation piece. So customer portals we're finding, um, it allows the uh, the person who's providing the service, the company that's providing the service, it allows their customers to self-serve. So again, we did, uh, we've done such, so much research on this, but the majority of time spent, um, a, a majority of credit holders, uh, credit controllers time, um, spent was, uh, sending out duplicated invoices. Now via a customer portal, they don't need to do that because they can go into a customer portal and download that invoice themselves. They can make the payment via a customer portal. You know, so what we're finding those touch points before, um, it was an excuse not to pay, you know, um, but with a new, with a customer portal, you are eliminating that, that excuse. But also it's helping the customers, um, as well. 
because they may have lost the invoice. You know, something may have happened within that, but they know they've got their own dedicated portal to go into um, and, and view within that. Also, what we're finding is um, certainly via the use of the customer portal, if there is a dispute, it's all logged and you've got the complete audit trail without searching through all of your emails. Which email did I send it through? Did I send it through a personal one? You know, um, who did I copy in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we're finding within, uh, certainly within the customer portal. We're finding that the, uh, that companies are increasing their net promoter score and their customer satisfaction score based upon that. So, and I guess there's a piece around speed of response, isn't there? Whereas, you know, and if we think about the world of flexible working, where we might not be working nine to five, we might be working from anywhere in the globe. I guess that adds another piece in that it's an always on service. You're not actually having to wait for somebody to rock up at 8 a.m. in the morning to get to get a response. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. So what, what we're finding, certainly um, if, you, if you break down uh, the tiers, as we call them in terms of turnover, we are finding the, the larger enterprises, they are centralizing um, a lot of their finance functions. So where it may be nine o'clock in the UK, it's certainly not nine o'clock where the centralized function um, is. So they need automation then. Uh, they need automation to help them do that. But also they need to be empathetic. Um, they sympathize with the client that's, that's, that's requesting that, uh, that as well. And that's where the polite automation kicks in. So in terms of larger corporates, we're seeing the, the centralization of uh, accounts receivable teams. So Europe tends to be in charge of Europe. Uh, so somewhere within Europe, you'll have a centralized team and then segmented again to Middle East, segmented again to Africa. Um, so we're, we're finding a lot of that. We're also finding... Uh, Companies that are looking to grow. One of the first questions I always ask: How are you growing? Are you going to grow by? Are you growing organically, or are you growing by acquisition? And the companies that are on a on a severe trajectory, they tend to grow by acquisition. So if you've got an AR process built in, it allows you to lift and shift that company into your process without adding to additional headcount, um, but still not compromising in terms of the customer journey and the customer satisfaction that you require, that you want to give to your clients. And I think that's a really good shout out because obviously an acquisition can bring in a, a big outstanding debtors list that you need to scale up and, and get on top of pretty quick. So I guess what we're saying there is the, the ability to just literally plug and like you say, lift and shift that into your current process is going to have a massive impact. And, you know, we work with a lot of companies that are on an acquisition spree and they don't always think, they, they assume, I guess, that at some point they'll streamline. But I think what you're saying is there is actually the, the time frame to automate incoming acquisitions could be a lot quicker if you've got those pre-built processes rather than relying on people. Absolutely. Uh, what we found is uh, uh, the, the CFO that understands having a good finance system and having best of breed around them tend to scale more quickly than the CFO that says, I'll deal with that later. And we talk we talk a lot, obviously, about the concept of best of breed and um, and how that impacts. And I think that's a really interesting concept because there there, there is a, you know, a fear of, um, you know, what's the word, of having separate systems. But I, I guess that's another thing we've just got to shout out is that, 
you know, integration is not importing spreadsheets and passing stuff manually from one to the other. You know, when we're talking best of breed, we're talking about, you know, API, direct integration, real-time information. So I think that's always an interesting point is that there is this, this, uh, this lack of awareness of how integrated some systems really are. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, I mean, coming from the world that I came from, um, as I mentioned before, it, I would say about five years ago, it was very much, you know, let's build this process into our existing ERP. Um, but now it's it's not like that. And I think the market has matured and um, intelligence has come in. You know, um, salespeople are not finance people. Finance people are not salespeople. Um, the best CRMs of this world um, are tailored towards salespeople. The best finances systems of this world are tailored towards finance people. So have the best of the breed use the best systems, you know, because the integration now is, is well, it's second to none. So we've integrated to many, uh, many providers uh, within that and we will continue to do so as well. Yeah, and and I think it's that if you think about your phones, how many apps? It's crazy the amount of apps that you have on your even just your personal. And is isn't it isn't it interesting that finance and finance like on business technologies are only starting to get to the point where we're working on the same model? In that you know we're, we're not all using like the different apps for the different purposes. So yeah, it's, it's it's I think we could probably do a whole podcast on the rise of best of breed finance. It'd be very fair, Raj. Um, but uh, let's. Let's not get distracted. Let's get on back onto the reasons that we're here today. I guess my final question for you, more from a sort of a practical um, perspective, for those CFOs that are looking to, you know, to, to revise their and streamline their processes, what are the little hints and tips that you can give them, regardless, I guess, of what technology they've got about how they can optimize that processes? What are the must-haves that every every organization should have in place when it comes to credit control? Um, that's a really good question. Um, first and foremost, the systems that, that some companies have at the moment, they're not being used fully. You know, um, I come across so many com- uh, companies because of my background in, uh, in accounts. Um, I'm fascinated at how they do a bank reconciliation. And it's alarming that someone actually prints off a bank statement, then keys in those figures into a finance system and then looks for the invoice and then marries them off, you know. There's so much easier ways of, of, of doing that. And I think um, what CFOs should look to do is to provide training for their staff um, in terms of just looking at ways they're doing stuff at the moment and see how you can how you can do you can get best of breed out of or streamline or you know just get quicker at because I guarantee you that if you're doing something a certain way, that's the only way you, you know how to do it. You know, um, they they would not look outside the box, and it's not their roles or responsibilities to look outside the box. That's the role and responsibility of the CFO. You know, um, so that's the first thing that I found. You know, um, many of the systems are underutilized um, within that. Then you can flip the coin on the other side. Um, some systems are so overutilized uh, that they've developed processes around that system, you know? So there's a, because 
the system doesn't do what it wants to do. They've developed a process around that. Take a look back, streamline again. You know, um, a lot of a lot of the customers. You will know this, Hannah. Um, many CFOs come to you and say, um, "I want a vanilla out of the box solution." <laughs> yeah. As so, as soon as as soon as you start talking about process, they say, "Well, we we don't do it that way." You know, you need to go back to the original brief. You said vanilla out of the box, so let me tell you the process. You know, um, you either adopt that approach or you adopt the minor bespoke approach. You don't adopt the fully bespoke approach because you're not fixing the problem. Do you know, it's really interesting, the amount of conversations I I end up challenging. It's, it's half the time, it's not even finance. It's actually some person way up, you know, in a different department that's built this process that ev- like everything else is hanging off of. You know, the amount of conversations I have about, oh, we can't send invoices straight out because we're not sure if the pricing is right. Well, how have you got to a point where you're producing invoices and you haven't agreed pricing? You know, and actually, like exactly what you said, taking it that step back and challenging. So what does good look like? What does this, how do we simplify this processes? And where are the bottlenecks? And actually challenging where, you know, where they've come from. And sometimes it's it's just that they haven't sorted earlier parts of the process or people aren't willing to follow the right processes earlier on. Yeah, and there's a whole change management piece. But, you know, very often exactly what you said, what we'll find is that they, they've just done it all. They've always done it that way. And because they're so busy in the midst of coping with this massive volume that they've got, they don't have chance to even sit back and think about it. And that's the crazy yeah. thing. It, it it is, uh, you know, they are they they are drowning in terms of the admin, and again, it goes down to automation, you know, and it goes down to artificial intelligence. It goes down to the bot. Let the bot help you. Let the artificial tools, artificial intelligence tool, help you. They're not there to replace you, you know, because you're irreplaceable. But let the tools do the stuff, as in send out the emails for you. So. As a credit controller, you come in in the morning, first thing in the morning, you know your priority, uh, you, you know your accounts that you need to prioritize. The system has already done it for you, you know, which makes you more focused, which adds to the NPS score, adds to you loving your employer even more because instead of working from eight till eight, you're now working from nine to five and you're having several coffee breaks and an extended lunch in between and you're still more efficient. Yeah. And, and hey, you know, this is the, this is the rise of the uh, four day week coming through. Um, and that's, a, that's again, that's a whole different conversation about the rise of the four day week in finance. So, well, thank you so much, Raj, for taking the time to talk to us today. And, um, it's been, you know, it's been fascinating to hear your stories and what questions and challenges you're seeing out when you're speaking to customers. So if anyone listening to this podcast wants to learn more about you, you obviously yourself and Yaypay and what you guys do, what's the best way to get hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can email me directly. Uh, my email address is Raj. Oh, sorry, let me go again. The email address is r.harash, spelled H-A-R-A-S-H, at quadient, Q-U-A-D-I-E-N-T dot com. Um, and I'll explain what quadient means um, in, in a minute. Um, and also, if you'd like to know more about Yaypay, simply www.yaypay.com. Um, the reason my email address is, is Quadian, um, last year, uh, Yaypay were, well, two major things happened last year. Uh, first and foremost, the IDC, 
uh, granted uh, Yepay as the market leader in uh, in accounts receivable due to our artificial intelligence and machine learning platform. Uh, once we were granted within that, there was inundated requests for companies to actually buy us. Uh, we were bought by um, by a company called Quadium. Now, just to give you a very quick background about Quadium, not many people know who, who they are, but Quadium was formerly known as Neopost. Um, so everybody, most people know who Neopost are. They, are, uh, they provide mailroom equipment uh, to many organizations uh, across across the globe. And the reason why they bought uh, Yepay was um, part of that digital transformation. Um, they want they want to digitize the uh, digitize the mailroom. So Cordian uh, have bought us, who are an accounts receivable platform, and also an accounts playable accounts payable platform as well. So we fit part of the family, and we can uh, give you a complete end to end solution. Hey, that's an interesting fact. I, I don't think I knew that one. So thanks, Raj. So to put this in context, obviously, um, as you know, we've been working with Raj and the team at Yepay around AR solutions um, for, for the for the stage solutions that we work with. So it and hence the reason I sort of invited on the podcast because we we do chat a lot, don't we, Raj, when we're um, when we're talking about uh, customers, etc. So it was great to have an opportunity to talk about it on the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Raj. Um, and as usual, for any of our listeners who'd like to learn more, we'll pop some links into the show notes um, and would love any feedback you have on this session or any of the others we've done recently. We're great to get any ideas or questions you might have for future podcasts. So thanks again, guys. Take care and we'll speak to you soon.